calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is of gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello and welcome to this episode of CFA Institute's Take 15. I'm Steve Horan. I'm in Seattle joined by Shonda Warner who delivered a presentation at our 2010 Asset Allocation for Private Clients Conference on investing in farmland and agriculture. Shonda has an interesting blend of experience in farming, commodities trading, proprietary desk trading, and options trading and she's here to talk to us about investing in farmland. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Steve. This area, this asset class, if you can call it that, is new to many investors and, and advisors. Um, can you give us a sense of what the return characteristics are? Okay. I guess I'd like to start by perhaps pointing out that it, while it might be currently new and people really haven't been thinking about agriculture for a long time, it's probably one of the oldest investing, uh, investable asset classes in the world. Uh, we were laughing earlier. We were sort of thinking, okay, what did people do before ag? I suppose even winemaking several thousand years ago was agriculture. And some of the first futures that were invented, the futures markets that were invented in the late 19th century were agricultural futures markets. And so um, while it's sort of come on people's horizon lately, it's been around for a long, long time. To talk a little bit about the return characteristics of agriculture, it's really made up of three components. The two major components of the return are current yield, and uh, I guess when we're talking about row, uh, row, uh, agriculture, we should back up and say row crop agriculture. And so that's corn, beans, wheat, sorghum, rice, cotton, the type of crops that are cut every year and that sort of constitute the base of the soft commodities markets. And so those returns are annual returns, sort of different than almonds and some of the more permanent crops. Um, and they're made up of a current cash flow and capital appreciation. Those are the two major components of the return. There's a third component of the return, and that is what is a, a we call it non-egg component, but also uh, referred to as higher and best usage. And that's the value of the land for other things. It's mineral rights, it's hunting rights, it's water rights, it's wind rights. People sort of ignored that in the past, and it's becoming ever more important going forward. We sort of don't value land um, on that little component. We think of it as free optionality. Uh, but it is there, and it's very important. Well, if you could pick up a free option, it's uh, generally a worthwhile endeavor. I love free options. Absolutely. So um, it sounds to me like we're talking about commodities, at least a slice of that world, and yeah. which increases, um, introduces the issue of inflation. How, how do these investments fare in inflationary times? Farmland correlates very well with inflation. I think that if you look back between 1950 and 2008, we've done some studies um, and it looks like correlations around 92%. So as with many hard assets, farmland has a positive correlation to inflation. 
So um, where are the unique risks? If it's a good hedge and the returns are attractive, um, what do we have to keep an eye out for? I think we have to keep an eye out for two things, primarily two things. One is a situation that I feel quite good about right now, and that is, as with any asset class, I think looking at the leverage of that asset class is very, very important. Um, right now, farmland overall has very low leverage. It's 9 or 10, 11%, somewhere in there. If you strip out hobby farms and things out of that, it rises to 20 or 25%. Um, back in the late 1970s, uh, we saw farm leverage climb to 60%, and that was part of what pre precipitated the great farm crisis of the early 1980s. So... I think that a risk is going forward, and I think we're a ways away from that scenario happening. But if you begin to see leverage climb to those type of levels, look out. I think that the other big risk and sort of everyone says what keeps you up at night, and that is if we were to, to enter a period like 1933 or 1934 of some deep death deflationary spiral. And if that's the case, you know, farmland is going to fall. It's very difficult to hedge farmland. There is an, a NACREF index. Uh, it's not my favorite instrument. I, I think a hedge wouldn't necessarily serve anyone particularly well right now. Uh, I don't think that there's a lot of contributors to the index. Um, and so it's something that you take a, a risk on, and it's very, very hard to hedge. It's fairly liquid. And so if we do have that kind of deflationary spiral, we're going to march through that deep, dark period where farmland's marked down, uh, cash or gold or something will be king. Who knows what will be king at that point. I still like farmland more than a lot of other assets. I mean, there's no corporate risk. It's not a security that will go away, right? If you can maintain low leverage and meet payments, you walk through that period of time and come out the other side. I like that characteristic, but it will cause pain. So you, you're talking a little bit about it being an attractive investment. Um, what, what would be the single demographic trend that you would point to to suggest that uh, looking forward, we're, we're looking at potentially an, an attractive investment? I, I, th I think that the, the biggest uh, attractive proponent for ag investment now is the world's growing population, but even more importantly than that would be the world's growing income. And so that income, that creation of the middle class, particularly in China and India, but also a lot of Southeast Asian countries, and the demand that they have for increased meat in their diet is really the single most significant factor that's going to underpin agricultural prices around the world. So if they're eating um, more meat, mm -hmm. isn't that a substitute for, for the grains and the row crops you were just no, talking about? No, no, it's not, right? Those cows and chickens and pigs eat grain to get fat. And so they're actually huge, less efficient consumers than if the humans ate the grain themselves. So along those lines, you know, we've, um, we've heard about the perils of using crops as not just a source of food but a source of energy and the competition that that yeah. creates. Can you speak a little bit to viewing that in a historical context? <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that earlier today, and 
my colleague, my uh, partner, Dr. Terry Castens, loves to talk about how many years we have been using crops to create fuel. And his point was the amount of oats that we used to grow in the United States to feed draft horses, which were the energy that did the work. And so we have been using crops as fuel for, for many, many years. And I think it's all a matter of using the most efficient crop the high, to get the most fuel. And I think that that's a learning process. I think everyone's committed to it. Maybe in five or ten years we won't use corn to make ethanol. Maybe we'll have switchgrass or maybe we'll be using something else to get there. But all of that's a process and we learn from it and we, we move forward. So how can investors access this asset class if this is what they want to do? Okay. There's um, a number of ways. There's, there's not a lot of listed uh, companies involved in agriculture, um, although there are some. And uh, there's not a, a lot of analysts that cover the sector, but hopefully that will begin to change. I can think of a couple terrific analysts uh, right now on Wall Street that are sort of starting and picking up coverage of the sector. And so people can go out and they can buy individual stocks. They can buy Bungie or Monsanto or ADM or Syngenta or a lot of the companies that are direct beneficiaries or inputs to ag. Um, or they can buy an ETF. I love Moo, the name Moo. What a fa fabulous name for an ETF. So they can get access that way. Um, or there's CTAs or index funds. Index funds tend to go by... Um, a basket of futures that represent a lot of different soft commodities, agricultural commodities. CTAs tend to use more timing models and things, and a lot there's a lot of CTAs around that are dedicated to soft commodities. So for people that are looking for very liquid investments, I'd recommend any number of those uh, entry points. Um, I think that the ultimate residual beneficiary of all agriculture, though, is farmland. That's what we do at Full Harvest, um, our fund. And um, so if someone has a little longer time horizon, they can go either buy a farm themselves and they're welcome to move to wherever it is and farm it. Otherwise, they're probably going to have to hire a farm manager to have the tenant relationship and all of those kind of things. Or they can invest in a fund like ours. And hopefully we know something about geography and something about what we're buying and where we're buying it. And we have a diversity of crops and a diversity of locations. And um, so we invest in farmland directly. And there's a few funds. There's a few older ones, larger ones, than we are um, popping or they've been there for a while. And there's some new ones popping up around us. Great. Well, thank you for sharing these insights. You're most welcome. Thank you very much. And thank you for joining us. To browse our collection of other multimedia products, visit us on the web at cfawebcasts.org. Copyright 2010, CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.